Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I am Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Have you ever wondered if you have breast cancer? Perhaps it runs in your family, or you're getting ready for your first mammogram. Perhaps you felt a lump and are waiting to find out the results. I would have never expected this to happen to me, you know? I mean, it was almost embarrassing, you know, when it first was diagnosed, because it's like, how do I tell my clients, you know? I'm trying to do everything right, and then even I get breast cancer. In today's episode, I am honored to have a dear friend on the show. Tammy shares her lived experience with breast cancer, taking us back in time to when she was going in for a routine mammogram. Tammy's powerful voice highlights the emotions, the devastation, and the exhaustion from active treatment to the uplifting liberation of being able to finally move on with life. This is Tammy's story. Welcome to the conversation. I was like the type of person who would go about every two years, you know, consistently mammogram and then my doctor again it was two years and he's like you, you know you've got to go I was like oh I hated doing those things so it was in January of 2017 which I know seems like it was much longer ago but it really wasn't and it's so just a routine mammogram and I went in and then um they've done this before where they called me about I don't know a week or two later and said you know we need you to come back for additional images oh and I had just very dense breasts. So I had told my family, don't worry about it. This has happened before. No big deal, you know. And so I you weren't even thinking off. about it. Yeah, you were just like, this yeah. is just, okay, they, they're, they're calling me back. And I had done that before. And the last time they had said, no, everything's fine. You know, see you in a year, you know. Yeah. But I would probably wait two years usually. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then I did go back. And then let's see, I even have a little timeline because I kind of forgot sometimes. Um, yeah, okay. So I went back for my additional images and then they called me back again, which was, so that was a little different this time. And they wanted to do a biopsy. And I remember, I think you had mentioned too, it was very painful. Like I had no idea. And in my head, the whole time, all I'm thinking of, this is such an inconvenience. And, you know, am I going to not be able to work out after or, you know, how many exactly. days? So <laughs> that was like my first question to uh, my doctor. Yeah. too. was like, when will I be able to lift my arms again? When can I do a push up? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, can I lift weights? Yeah, exactly. So that was like more of my concern. But then um, I remember that appointment at the end of that appointment, the doctor saying, um, we'll know the results in like two or three days. And we'd like to have you come back. And I specifically said, oh, that's fine. Just call me on the phone. Like, I don't need to come in for the results. So convinced in my head that it was going to be nothing. And then, yeah, three days later, um, she called me and she said, I hate to do this on the phone, but you do have breast cancer. So then I was like, like, I just couldn't believe it. And I still, I think at that moment, couldn't believe it. I know. And I, I, I asked my girls, like how I told them and I didn't remember, I guess I kind of told them separately. And then my husband, I called at work and he said, he just was like, just like devastated and he just was like silent and there was a bunch of people around him and he didn't tell anybody and he just ended up like I think packing things up and he came home you know because we didn't really know what it entailed you know I just had no idea what was coming in my near future after that. 
it's how do you tell your family and how do you explain depending on the different ages of your children and even like your spouse and your relationship status and your family and friends when do you start sharing this information with them so it sounds like you get this phone call and do you tell your girls first or do you call your husband first um i had asked them to one of them i think was home so i kind of turned to her and i was like you know the doctor said it was red cancer but it's going to be fine um, I think one was on her way to work. So I called her and the other one wasn't home. And then my husband, and I did call, but yeah, so it was all, and I do remember like taking notes from the doctor and it was like, she was speaking another language and I'm like writing these things down, like in situ and different things, you know, and I'm like, I don't know what she's talking about, <laughs> but I tried to get down as much as I could. And I didn't even remember like did what stage I was or how big it was, or like, I didn't know anything. So it really was kind of a waste so that I did have to end up going back. I think the next day, or I think that was a Friday. So that Monday I went in to like actually get like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, and again, that's very similar in my situation too. So I um, got diagnosed when I was 34 years old. So I've never had a mammogram before. This was not something that was routine. And I um, went to my primary care doctor just for like a regular checkup and she thought nothing of it and similar to you like you know i had dense breast tissue and so with that you're like oh you're too young you don't have a family history you know there's no reason to be of concern and i was like okay well at least for my peace of mind can i advocate to get a mammogram and that way i can just sleep at night if you say that there's no reason to be concerned then i'm okay with that there's nothing to lose let's just go forth with it and i'll fight with the insurance companies later well thank goodness i did because that's when they found out that I had cancer. And similarly, I thought it was going to be this quick check-in at, you know, like 8.30 in the morning. I was going to be a little bit late to my job. And all of a sudden, it went from escalating to a routine mammogram to, wait, we want to do the ultrasound right then and there. And then they asked if I, like, what my schedule was like and if I could stay through lunch. And they could bring in a doctor during the lunch hour to do the biopsy. And that's when I decided to call my job and I said, you know what? I don't think I'm coming in today. I don't know what's going on. I'm getting some tests done. I called my boyfriend. I'm like, uh, this isn't as quick as I thought it was going to be. You might want to consider coming to the breast health center. Um, and similarly, like, how do you tell your family it? the same thing was I was telling my mom, like, hey, I'm going to get this this test done. I'm going to go have a mammogram. I just no reason to be concerned. You know, I'm just I'm just letting you know as my mother that this is my first time. So I feel like I should just share this with you. So there are just no surprises. When I did call my parents to let them know, they live out of state. And so when I did call them to let them know that I tested positive for breast cancer, you know, obviously it was shocking. No one's going to not be shocked when they hear this news, but at least similar, it sounds like in your case too, like you keep going for these check-ins that in the back of our heads, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, there is that realization that, you know, you are being tested for something that could potentially be horrific. I think like a couple of days later, I remember they were calling me and calling me and then they wanted me to come back in for another ultrasound, another biopsy and like an MRI like all in yeah one day. And I was like calling my husband and I'm thinking, I'm just trying to work out and they're bothering me and they keep hounding me to come in, you know? And so finally I just came in, you know, this one day and they kept me there like you the whole day. And I was starving. And then they're like, okay, we need you just to go back. And I think they wanted to do one more short MRI or something like that. It was like the breast center was here and I had to walk across the street to the hospitals for the MRI. And then I was like, well, I'm just, I'm starving. Like I haven't eaten all day. And they're like, oh, 
why haven't you eaten? I was like, well, you guys called me in, you know, I've been here like literally all day. Well, it's very important for you to eat. Like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, well, you didn't give me any time. And it was just like, yeah, whirlwind, you know? And I think the following week we were meeting with, you know, the um, radiologist and the breast surgeon and the plastic surgeon and just like, and you're making these huge decisions. Yes. Very, very quickly. Oh. Yeah. It was, it was kind of crazy. <laughs> and I, I think your energy right now as you're describing all of this is very, um, like I'm reliving this experience with you. Like it went from, okay, there's no cancer in my body. I didn't think anything of it to, okay, now you have cancer and immediately you start scheduling all of these appointments. And as someone who speaks with those who have been diagnosed with breast cancer and kind of mentoring them about feelings and emotions and, you know, just counseling, I, we don't have a lot of time to process any of this. The, these doctors do this every day. That is their job. They are showing up every day to perform surgery, to talk about your you know, breast reconstruction options, to talk about the chemotherapy. And they are rattling off all of these terms so quickly. How, yeah. how did you manage to keep it straight? I think taking my husband with me definitely helped. I remember we did record a few of some of the doctor appointments too, oh, because that smart. would go back. Yeah. And kind of see, okay, this is what she said, or this is what he said that helped as well. And then I think like the biggest shock for me was I remember the breast center saying, this is no big deal. We've caught this early and you're, you're going to be fine, which, I mean, I did believe that, but I remember them saying like, this is no big deal. And then the surgeon telling us, me and my husband, that you could do um, a lumpectomy. But then there was like a couple spots they were suspicious of. So it would have been, you know, a pretty major thing. It wasn't going to, it would have looked a little deformed, you know, on the one side um, with radiation or the double mastectomy. And those are my choices, you know. And then we were like, those are our choices. Like, right. this is like the nothing, because that's pretty major to me. And I remember being like, uh, I, I, we just didn't know what to do. I remember just going back and forth with the two options. Oh my gosh. And yeah. are you like researching and Googling everything like crazy or are you like, like that, just talking with people? Yeah. It, like doctors maybe that I knew or okay. uh, just a few women I had known like you really, I knew a couple of people who had gone through it, but I don't, didn't really know many people. So I really didn't have that kind of, you know, resource, which, this is great now that people could hopefully, you know, have us as a resource as well to maybe kind of guide them. But it is so important that everyone's situation is so unique and different. Like I would never want to tell anyone like, this is what you need to do. Cause I did it for sure. Yeah. Cause I know that it just, it's amazing how everybody's situation is just a little different, which yeah. changes. And how you feel comfortable with those decisions. I was in the same boat too, where I, had an opportunity to choose a lumpectomy and or do the mastectomy, but I had a choice. But I just remember sitting on the couch, it depended on what day you were talking to me. Some days I was like, oh, this is good. I'm so grateful that we can go with a lumpectomy option. And then other days I'm like, absolutely not. I'm feeling empowered and I'm going flat and, you know, like just right. don't even yeah. want to deal with the reconstruction because the reconstruction for me too is – a scary point of will I be able to do the pull-ups and the push-ups and someone living this active lifestyle yeah. I was horrified yeah I, I don't think like sometimes how you said the doctors don't realize because they do it every day but how huge it is for us I mean it is a it's a major thing and and like you I think I was I'm going to do lumpectomy and then then the next day I'd be like nope I'm going to do the mastectomy and then I think I was like leaning towards the lumpectomy, but then the radiation, I was like, oh gosh, I really don't want to do radiation. Okay. So then 
within probably a week, we had made the decision that I'm going to do the double mastectomy and I'm just going to, and my reasoning too, was I had had my kids, you know, I breastfed, you know, I didn't have to think about that. Mm -hmm. And I wanted them to look even, that was really important, you know, to me and how they ended up looking afterwards. So once we made that decision, I felt really good about it, but I was still devastated about it. I remember I still was crying and very upset about it. And looking back now of everything that I've been through, it's probably one of the smaller things that I went through. And then it was two weeks later when I went back for the pathology report. And then she said, everything looks good. We did find a second tumor though, that was bigger actually than the one that they had originally found. We were shocked because we, we really expected them to say that you know, everything's been removed and it was exactly as we saw and what we thought, but it was actually a bigger tumor farther back along the chest wall that was not seen from like the ultrasounds, the mammograms, the MRI, so far back on the chest wall, bigger, but still not huge, you know, to the fact where they could have seen it. And then that ended up being, she goes, we have one more test that we're waiting for that on that tumor. But I think it's going to be fine. And then that's a week later when she calls back and she says that it's the HER2 positive. And then, so then everything changed. That was devastating. So it was that second tumor that was the, that was tested and came back as HER2 positive? Yeah. That didn't yeah, even so, show up. So they wouldn't have found it unless you had the mastectomy. Right. So now we know why we felt so confident when we made that decision. Like we knew this was the right choice for me. Not really knowing why, but... It ended up being that definitely because she said by the time that tumor would have probably been showing, it would have been who knows, you know, stage three, stage four, or whatever, right. or you know, to do anything. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I know never heard that. I mean, that's amazing that they were able to find it, catch it, and that again validates your decision. And you know, again, yeah. I think I just want to stress too that, you know, in this conversation, neither one of us are medical professionals. We're just kind of talking about right. our personal decision-making process for, right. um, definitely. you know, both of yeah, us. I mean, my, my oncologist was said, why are you doing the double mastectomy? You know, she did um, question me. She wanted to make sure I was making the right choice because she probably thought that I should do the lumpectomy. And so I told her my reasoning. And then afterwards she said, she goes, boy, I am really glad, you know, you made that decision concisely said, like, I was happy, I made a decision, and then yet devastated. And that dichotomy of emotions and feelings is like the entire roller coaster of breast cancer. Like, some days yeah. you're feeling, like, really great because you're making some headway, and then the next you're like, oh, God, like, really, this is my reality, and then we're crying and, you know, yeah. managing yeah. the emotions. Yeah, that was just it was crazy because in my head, you know, I'm going to recover from this surgery and then I have my reconstruction later, but then, you know, that's it. I'll be able to put this behind me, you know, and then to change it to a year of treatment, you know, the chemo part is bad enough. Right. And I know you understand. And then to, to wrap your head around the year of treatment is, was really, really difficult. Now I, I don't know what's happening and, you know, chemo and this and that, and uh, am I going to get a poor and Herceptin and just, yeah, I just, the hair just, there, there was a lot of, emotion so that was really devastating I do remember finding that out and telling my family because I think it was so devastating for all of us right so it sounds like you had the surgery first and then because your tumor came back her two positive that's when they wanted to do the immunotherapies of Herceptin right yeah so at that point um we had had like a vacation that was planned you know and I was 
my reconstruction. Yeah, life continues, I, right? Like we have plans. Yeah. And I, I remember I, I begged them though. I was like, you know, please let me just take this summer. It was in the summer, this little vacation with our family. Mm -hmm. Then I'll come back and I'll start chemo, you know, and do the whole thing. And, and then Paul just said, well, if you can coordinate everything with the um, uh, plastic surgeon, you know, then as soon as you get back, you know, but that's it. Cause she said, we always like to start within a month and they had their guidelines, you know? So, and I did, I remember calling the plastic surgeon and then calling the oncologist and I made everything and I made everything so we could go on the vacation. And I ended up really enjoying myself, even knowing like what my future health, I was like, I'm going to put this behind me. And, and we had a really nice time, like the five of us. You come back from your vacation and then you start Herceptin. Um, I actually came back and coordinated. It was like July 3rd was my um, reconstruction surgery. Okay. Was it my second one? Let me think. I have my dates here, like I said. Uh, oh, yeah. So it, I actually have my implants put in. Uh, so I, I was able to complete my reconstruction. And then two weeks later, we started chemo. And so I had 12 weeks of Taxol, which, um, I mean, in the scheme of things, I don't think it's, you know, very bad. I know that a lot of women, other women go through much, much worse. And then, and while I started that every three weeks, also the Herceptin, you know, mm -hmm. starting that for the year. So that would have been of July of um, 2017. Yeah. Finishing, you know, July of this year. So I, I like how our and hair is like almost the same length off. too. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're very much so like parallel, you know, a uh, year in October, this past October. So that's, yeah. So it's, you know, it's finally, yeah, it's come yeah. along. I've only had one haircut though in that. Oh. whole time, you know, because I, I was trying desperately, you know, to like get it grown <laughs> all uneven. And finally, my hairdresser was like, okay, we've got to even this out a little bit. <laughs> I know. I felt the same way. I looked in the mirror one day. I was like, I think I'm going with like the mullet look. Like I got to clean this up a little, a little. <laughs> I'm, yeah. It's really long, right? In the back, but it's really mm -hmm. short on the top. Yes. I know, but yeah. And I started no. actually using castor oil as um, an mm -hmm. oil to like massage my scalp. I hear that's supposed to help with like, I don't yeah. know, helping the the hair follicles grow back and be healthy and strong. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. everything. So. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I'm taking like these vitamins too, you know, with extra whatever stuff yes. to help oh, grow. Like the biotin and, and the yeah. vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, oh, so then, yeah, I go through that 12 weeks and then, um, and you know, I had always donated blood. So that was another thing. So I had really good veins mm. and then also from the working out, which is another plus from working out, my veins were really good. So I ended up not getting a port. Oh, wow. And it's very rare, I think, especially to be able to do a year like in the same arm, yes. you know, and call just like, we'll see how it goes, you know. But I ended up, yeah, making it through. And I think that's definitely something to learn from the, um, maybe from the working out, mm. you know, definitely helped. It's one of the nurses in the, um, uh, the chemo where I was giving chemo said you're because you work out your veins you know definitely they I guess they must pop out a little bit more and it made it easier for them oh wow that's a really good incentive to keep working yeah. out and yeah, encourage definitely. those to start working out <laughs> exactly so is it you know and I, I know you also tried as much as you could to continue your workout regimen while you were going through treatment Can right yes yeah. so a little I bit still... about that Yes, I still continued like six days a week, I would definitely do something. And even, you know, on chemo day, I'd schedule it at 11, you know, so that in the morning, I would do something. And, you know, I definitely got to the point where I was only walking on the treadmill, maybe for an hour, but you know, I was still walking on the treadmill for an hour. And then that's huge. I have to say, like, congratulations for even being able to do that and to Thank have the the willpower and determination to continue with your workout routine six days a week. And 
be okay with your body too, with what it is able to do that day. Yeah. Um, I think for me, a big fear was, I don't know if a lot of people know, but I mean, breast cancer women, they usually end up gaining weight versus, you know, a lot of other cancers, they'll lose weight, but of course, lucky us, you know, there's just so much that we have to deal with. And I was like, I just, if I can help that, I don't want to try and gain weight as well. And it was really tough. I mean, the steroids, you know, make you want to eat. And yes. I was nauseous. It was just that, you know, constant nauseous feeling where, I don't know, you just want to kind of eat all day long, but yeah. nothing really helps. Like the saltine crackers or like the toast yeah. and just something to like, yeah, because you feel like you have the flu. <laughs> Yeah. So it, that was tough. And I don't, I don't know what it is, the medications or maybe, you know, suppressing the hormones and everything mm -hmm. too. I know that doesn't help. And so I, it's been a constant, constant battle. So that motivated me as well to keep moving, you know, and then on my days where I was extremely nauseous, that was the only thing I would get up. I would get up and walk on the treadmill for an hour. And then I just would sit on the couch the whole day after chemo. And that was so hard on me. And and just, um, yeah, I was just, I think I watched the clock and I was so like uncomfortable that I couldn't read or I, I couldn't watch TV. Like I couldn't do anything. I just would sit there with my dog. So <laughs> somewhere, but yeah, so that was hard, you know, to see like everyone coming and going and just enjoying life, which I wanted them to do, but knowing that my life just, it just wasn't going on. And I didn't know if it ever really would, you know, again, at that point, I wasn't too sure, you know, like, am I ever going to be feel normal again? Right. Now, did you maintain um, your clients and everything at your fitness with your fitness career? Did you maintain like having your clients and training them while you were going through treatment? Or did you um, scale back a little bit? What I did was I was doing two things. So I have my personal training that I've been doing for about 11 years. And I have one client that um, I train two days a week on Monday and Friday. And so knowing that I scheduled my chemo on Wednesday, and then I would be nauseous on Thursday for me. And then so Monday and Friday, I'd be okay. And I was able to do that, you know, and I, it was good, because it made me like, got to get out, get dressed, you know, it was just a little something. It's only one hour, you know, it would be by the time I drive there and come back, it would be about a three hour, you know, thing on Mondays and Fridays, but at least I had that you know, to always kind of do. And then my other thing was I do just like a little acting and stuff like that when I can, but that I had to pretty much stop because, you know, I, I didn't look like myself and I didn't feel like and I tried like once with my wig and stuff and I just felt so uncomfortable that I'm like, this is not going to work out. Yeah. So yes, yeah, I, I things pretty much stopped except for that one client because okay. it was really important for him to keep working out. And so it ended up being good for both for of both us. Of you. Yeah, that's yeah. really great. I remember at first thinking like, oh gosh, like I'm going to keep working. But then in the scheme of things, looking back, it was really good for me to have some purpose really, you exactly. know. Exactly. I don't know, like, were you able to work or did you? Yeah, so I was fortunate enough um, to be able to work from home while I was going through chemotherapy. So there was about six months when um, I was going through chemotherapy before my surgery where I was working from home, which was great. I would take off my infusion day and the day after because, like you were saying, like, you just feel ill. Um, and so I think for, like, Cancer Twins, my infusion was also on a Wednesday. So I took Wednesdays and Thursdays off. So that way I could be like adamant in front of the computer and work and, you know, cognitive yeah. and functioning on Friday, have the weekend to recover, 
you know, you always feel great Monday, Tuesday, and then you're back in the chair Wednesday. You're like, all right. So this is just my new cycle. And then, yeah, as far as the workout too, I remember, um, my, uh, plastic surgeon, you know, he, I immediately, I'd say like, so when can I start doing some weights? You know, I'll do very light weights, you know? And I did, I really was using like, you know, five pound weights, which is, you know, nothing for me. (laughs) Um, and I'd like, let's say I would normally use like a 15 pound or something, you know, I did five and I just worked up very slowly, but I, I told myself, at least I'm doing something, you know, just to kind of maintain a little bit. Yes. And I think also with my recovery from the surgeries, you know, I bounced back pretty fast and I felt, felt real, real bad, you know, initially, but then, you know, I started to get better and better. Classic surgeon, I had asked him like every time, like every appointment, he'd be like, okay, it's can can I do a push-up? Can I try doing the push-up again? Because like you, you know, it's like really important. And he's like, I know you're already doing. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm fine. I think I was on like on my knees and stuff. I was yes. trying to, you know, but it was so funny, but it worked out fine. I just really knowing what I knew, knew, you know, how far I should push it. For myself, I had to finally like realize I'm probably never going to be, you know, as strong as I was because I probably was like in the best shape of my, you know, life before. But yeah, so that's sad. So I've had to like accept that, but I'm doing the things, but maybe I'm not as strong. And so, it, it, you know, I'm accepting that more and more. And you mentioned the whole depression thing too. And it's like that has been a big factor because I actually had like suffered from pretty bad depression before and then I was coming out of it you know and it was getting better and then I got diagnosed with breast cancer so then I was like oh my gosh I can't believe it you know and then I was still trying to you know maintain I was feeling okay but then you know there were just certain moments where it just became too much you know and oh I just yeah I felt pretty low like as low as you know someone could feel and I just felt like you know, who can really understand besides you or, you know, someone else going exact thing because really you don't really get it unless you are, you know, you've experienced it before. I was about a month, I think, away or two months away from finishing Herceptin, you know, when my oncologist brought up going on tamoxifen, you know, for the five to 10 years. And then I said, I, I can't even talk about this right now. Like, I was so upset. Like I left that appointment and she knew it too. And I was like, and I went back and I was like, just please. Like I had 12 weeks of chemo to check off. You know, I had these, whatever, 18 weeks, I think it or whatever appointments of Herceptin, you know, in my head that I'm mentally checking off. Don't tell me this now. Like, let me finish. Like I needed that one thing at a time, you know? So then I just, yeah, I went back and forth and um, she said, because my tumor was small and we caught it at stage one, knowing this or that. She goes, you know, you could really go either way with it. I'll let you make the decision. I kind of recommend that you do go on the tamoxifen, but me and my husband talked about it and I didn't do it just because I needed to kind of go on with my life. Like, and that's just a personal decision, of course, you know, for me. And I don't know, you know, I've made the right one and I won't know for years and years, you know, unfortunately, but I needed to be like, I'm done and go back to my life because I was too depressed and too, yeah, too sad and too yeah. much had changed, you know? Yeah. And so I, what is the right decision? I mean, it's the right decision for you and your life. Like, I think that's really important to, um, right. to remember. And I talked to another woman also who has stopped taking 
She tried taking hormonal therapies and had such terrible side effects that she pretty much told her oncologist was it's about the quality of life, not the quantity. And, you know, it's great that she, the team wants her to live until she's like 80, 90, 100 years old. But if she's unable to get out of bed every morning because of the severe joint pain, then that's not the type of life she wants to live. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I mean, like you're in your thirties, that's totally Mm -hmm. different. You know, I was in my late forties. So that, you know, makes a big difference as well. You know, with everything that I had, yeah, she pushed me, like she'd ask me, you know, still, even when I go like every few months, she'll say, so did you change your mind? I'd be like, no. Okay. Then she lets it go. So I still see the oncologist every three months right now. And for the plastic surgeon every six months, and, and then I think eventually though, that will, you know, get to a little longer and a little longer. Yeah. I'm feeling good. Like, I mean, I really didn't think like this day would come, you know, but I'm actually feeling like, you know, like almost like my old self. <laughs> Tammy, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate you taking us through your lived experience all the way back from diagnosis through treatment and life and beyond. We really appreciate it. And thank you everyone for listening to our show. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast are from personal experiences and are not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always contact your medical care team. If you're looking for specific topics or would like to be a guest on our show, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. Until next time, keep on thriving.